Welcome to Uncovered, the podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in-depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton and on each episode of Uncovered, I'm joined by the National World reporters who are working to bring information to light and to hold those in power accountable. Today, I'm joined by Ethan Schoen once again, investigative reporter with National World, to talk about the upcoming elections and what to look out for in the next few days. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for joining me today. Will you give us an overview of the upcoming local elections, please? Are elections taking place in every authority across the UK? Hiya. Uh, no, first, no, firstly, because that would be um, far too simple, if nothing else. Um, so what we've actually got, I mean, there are, there are a number of different ways that local authorities, um, particularly in England, elect their councillors. Um, some do uh, like a full council every few years. Mm-hmm. Some elect a third of their councillors um, every, well, three out of four years um and because of kind of boundary changes some councils which do uh, the former are now doing the latter and vice versa so it's all very complicated mm. but um on thursday the in england you will have 146 councils which elect some councillors um, a lot of those will elect a third of their councillors or a third of the seats mm-hmm. um which are up for election relating to council wards a number of them though will be electing all their councillors, so we'll see quite a significant perhaps change mm-hmm. um or at least a kind of a big refresh of the councillors that are there probably the main thing to talk about really is that the all the councillors in the london boroughs are up for re-election so that's all 32 london borough councils mm-hmm. outside of that there are a number of authorities in England um, which are electing a significant number of councillors. In Scotland, all 32 councils mm-hmm. will elect um, councillors and the same in Wales where all 22 councils will. Um, focusing just on kind of local elections for a moment, we'll also have six directly elected mayors mm-hmm. uh, in England. They are essentially all in London. Um, if we have any listeners in Watford listening, please don't be offended that I've lumped you in with Inner London. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it, that's what it all is to me mm-hmm. down there. Uh, there's also one Metro Mayor uh, up for re-election. That's in the South Yorkshire Combined Authority. So Metro Mayors being the kind of regional mayors with a, a significant amount of devolved power, mm-hmm. most famously kind of perhaps Sadiq Khan as, as the, the, the London Mayor or Andy Burnham um, as the Mayor of the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. Mm-hmm. In recent years, I've kind of shown that regional leaders can have quite a significant impact on a number of local issues, predominantly on things like transport. So that's one to watch in South Yorkshire, mm-hmm. where the incumbent Labour's Dan Jarvis, um, who is who is currently an MP as well as the South Yorkshire Mayor, is has decided to step down. He announced last year that he wouldn't seek re-election. It's kind of widely thought that Labour will retain that mayoral seat with their new candidate, but one way or another it will be a new mayor in South Yorkshire. There's also um, a referendum in Bristol. I don't, as far as I'm aware, and there are no actual kind of council seats up for re-election in Bristol. However, there is a referendum on how the council is run, Mm. uh, which is effectively about whether or not they decide to keep a, a mayor. So another one to watch there. On a slightly different note, um, in Northern Ireland, the, the Northern Irish Assembly, or Stormont, is, is, is up for election, which is kind of a, a slightly different 
concept to the local elections where we elect councillors in England. It's a little bit more closely analogous to a general election mm-hmm. in the UK, mm-hmm. although the, the kind of um, the specific factors involved in Northern Irish politics as a result of the Good Friday Agreement mean that it isn't even a direct comparison to that, really. Um, but that will will be certainly one to watch as well. Yeah, and a very complicated situation over there if we think back to the previous elections that took place for Stormont and the lack of a government there for quite some time after that. That's probably a whole other podcast though. So let's revert back to the kind of bigger picture of what's going on across the country and how the political parties are faring up this week. Yes, so let me caveat everything I'm about to say with this. In the wake of the local elections, um, it is kind of the job of, of political journalists, people like me, to say what this means for national politics and to try and kind of derive from, you know, what's gone on in in local council elections across the country, some grand narrative about uh, what this says about, you know, Boris Johnson and and, and Keir Starmer and and all the rest Mm -hmm. of them. Um, And and there is clearly some value to that, but I think it is, to be quite honest, limited, Mm -hmm. given that when people go to vote in in elections at the local level, when they vote for their councillors, you know, they tend to be thinking about, as you might expect, much more localised issues. So, you know, invariably, you can't you can't kind of tack those votes cleanly onto national politics and say, well, because someone voted for this party in in their local elections, that means absolutely uh, the, the the impact on the national party will be will be this. You know, that being said, I do think that the Events of the last few, I don't know whether to say days, weeks or months there particularly, um, referring to things like Partygate mm-hmm. and, and the scandals that preceded it and no doubt will um, follow it. Um, I think because of that, there is probably a bit more of a feeling that that people might be a bit more conscious of how their vote is taken, a bit more maybe protest votes, mm-hmm. as, you, as you might like to call them, might go on. Mm-hmm. So I think the long and short of it is that unless, unless Labour do very, very, very well then it will probably be seen as a bit of a win for the government, to be honest, mm-hmm. which is a bit counterintuitive um, because they absolutely, I mean, you know, feeling a complete shock. The Conservative Party won't do well, um, but it's uh, how badly they do mm-hmm. um, will be kind of what we're looking at, really. Um, and although the kind of the stage is set, really, for Labour to do quite well here, given, you know, Partygate and various other things, given the cost of living, but also given the fact that, you know, this is a 12-year incumbent governing party mm-hmm. in England, and that invariably means that, that they won't um, they won't kind of improve on past performances, really. However, saying that, the conditions are not particularly great for Labour to, to add a great deal in these elections. I mean, the fact that London is, is kind of the biggest chunk of seats uh, up for re-election does not suit Labour, particularly when it comes to making gains, given that obviously London is it already leans more toward Labour than, than the rest of England mm-hmm. does proportionally. And the last time that the that every London borough had council seats up for re-election was 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, now that was a that was a high point for Labour or a low point for the Conservatives, depending on how you want to look at it. But there are particularly within the Labour Party who are quite keen to manage expectations ahead of this. Many people have pointed out that there's not really a huge amount for them to gain there mm. because of how well they did last time. And that outside of London and excluding a few kind of key target areas, the potential gains on offer are not that great. Another couple of kind of points to factor in 
is that the Green Party, while they, you know, after some years of trying, while they're yet to make any serious inroads in kind of parliamentary elections, they have been, they have have a habit of quietly making kind of quite steady council by-election gains mm-hmm. and of working up quite strong local party um, activism, which we can quite reasonably expect to translate to some gains or, or at least some kind of encouraging results for the Green Party. And it will more or less, I would say, be the first time that we see whether the new direction of the Labour Party under Keir Starmer has any impact on um, perhaps younger voters or perhaps more left-leaning voters and whether they will uh, you know, stick with Labour or whether they might be tempted to, to, to vote Green. The flip side of that is that the Lib Dems will certainly be hoping in those parts of the country where it's more or less a, a kind of two-way race between Conservative and Lib Dem that you know, following those quite Quite surprising, I suppose, but but very encouraging for the Lib Dems parliamentary by-election mm-hmm. results. Um, thinking of kind of Chesham and mm-hmm. Amersham, um, in in particular, you know, following those, I think the Lib Dems will also be hoping to to kind of take control of a few long-held Conservative councils. Um, so quite a lot to look out for in the night, really, and I don't think it will be a a really straightforward result to try and analyse unfortunately for me. And unfortunately we don't have time to look at every political party and independent candidate running but bear in mind many seats will have multiple candidates so be sure and check them out for your constituency. Now I spoke to Rafe Blackburn editor of London World about how the elections are set to play out across the 32 London borough councils. On May the 5th Thursday there are going to be 32 elections in in each council's and also some mayoral elections in um, boroughs, which also elect mayors as leaders instead of council leaders. London is already fairly heavily dominated by Labour. In 2018, it was actually when Jeremy Corbyn was quite popular, would you believe? And so Labour had their best ever showing um, in London. You know, several boroughs down here like Newham only have Labour councillors. There's not a single opposition council. But um, there are still a few races of interest where Labour is hoping to make gains. So in particular, those are Barnet and Wandsworth and some Britain-elect models and polling um, last week, which said Labour would take both of them potentially. In Barnet, um, we've been speaking to Labour group leader there, and he thinks in particular it's coming down to potentially, um, you know, a change of leadership at the top of Labour. Barnet has a fairly high Jewish population, and they think that the anti-Semitism uh, controversies under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership did affect, you know, the voters there. We saw Labour councillors defecting to the Lib Dems. So, yeah, they believe they've kind of, the Jewish community has confidence in Labour going up there, and they're hoping that that will push them to victory. It will be quite tight, I think. Um, Labour's never controlled Barnet um, since it was uh, created in 1965, and yeah, it was the borough which Margaret Thatcher lived in. So um, it would be quite a kind of big statement. Wandsworth as well could be taken by Labour. Yeah, that in the 2019 election, uh, Putney, uh, which is part of Wandsworth, was the the only MP, which the only constituency which Labour took from the Conservatives. So they're sort of hoping, um, yeah, that will be a reflection of a, a growing trend. Um, but again, it's a kind of very divided borough. Some parts are very solidly Labour, other parts are very are very solidly Tory. So again, it will be fine margins. But yeah, those are the two boroughs we'll be sending reporters to on the night. So um, they're the two we think could swing Labour. There is also 
has been some talk about Westminster potentially going Labour, um, but that would be kind of very surprising. If Westminster went Labour, they'd be having a very, very good night good night in the in the local elections. And um, yeah, there would be a real crisis for, for Boris Johnson after that. What about the other political parties? Anything for the Lib Dems or the Greens to watch out for? The Lib Dems um, will be hoping to to add to seats, particularly in the southwest, where they've had um, success in what has traditionally been seen as, as Tory heartlands. Uh, so, for example, where they, they won the by-election in Richmond um, with Sarah Olney previously. So they'll be looking places which are fairly pro-EU areas, which traditionally voted Tory, where they're tending to put their resources into. So I think that could be some of those councils could potentially go to no overall control. But um, I'd be surprised if the Lib Dems got a majority. The Greens are... We went out with the Greens in Hackney, um, so that is one area they're tar- targeting, Stoke Newington, Hackney, um, where they've been doing a lot of campaigning on the ground. And another kind of little side point to mention is that the, the Women's Equality Party are putting up 10 candidates and they're hoping to get their first councillor in um, in London. Um, so, yeah, that's a point as well. All to play for at this stage. OK, thank you for joining us, Ralph. No worries. Thanks, Kelly. Ethan, what are some of the hotly contested seats or places where Labour will be hoping to make an impact? Yeah, so like we've just heard a bit about London. Um, so I'll try and kind of focus on what's going on outside of London because there are a few council areas that will be worth watching um, for different reasons, really. I mean, most of the talk on the night will be about where Labour stands to gain councils. But there is a significant amount of interest in what goes on at Bury Council in um, in the kind of Greater Manchester region. So Labour do currently have control of the council there, just about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been a little bit of a kind of political bellwether. Um, and it's also the, the, the one of the MPs who represents the area is the MP who defected from Conservatives to Labour mm-hmm. uh, recently, Christian Wakeford MP. Interestingly, Labour are, are potentially at risk of losing control of the council here. And it's not so much because of the threat from Conservatives or, or another mainstream party. It's, it's actually more about kind of smaller and independent candidates challenging for seats here. It's an area where local campaigners uh, are quite influential, really, and are expected to more or less decide the result on the day there. Okay. Um, so that will be one to watch, and it's one that you you feel that even if Labour do make quite good gains in the rest of the country, the the narrative could be undermined quite considerably if they manage to lose a council in, you know, what might broadly be considered kind of part of the Red Wall. And the, the idea of the Red Wall is kind of constantly expanding yeah. to cover all the north of England. But I do think that they are at risk of undermining any success elsewhere if that does go the other way. I mean, on a similar note, I mean, the chances of a kind of full council switchover are, are less likely in this instance, but results in Coventry will also be interesting to watch. And, and, and this is where a, a growing dispute between Labour and one of its big trade union backers, Unite, will come into play or could potentially come into play because there has been a long running refuse workers strike in Coventry. And local activists there have been campaigning quite quite strongly against the the Labour Council, which is effectively the other side in this in this dispute between um, Unite members and the council mm-hmm. over a, a a pay dispute. There has been a lot of of campaigning on the ground there. Some of it backed by the union, from what I can gather, and some of it 
grassroots campaigning um, to try and put pressure on the Labour, Labour Council ahead of this election. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't look like that, that's worked. So now we kind of wait to see whether um, enough people are really quite uh, dissatisfied enough with the council's handling of the dispute that they're prepared to vote another way. Elsewhere, I think if we were to look at somewhere like Amber Valley, it's somewhere that again will be kind of lumped in with, with this red wall uh, idea, even though it has kind of moved back and forth between Labour and Conservative. Um, but I think it's one of those areas where it's within Labour's grasp, more or less. And even if they don't take full control there, a positive result, say, you know, winning, uh, winning back a few council seats there, would I think be taken as a sign that, you know, Keir Starmer's mission to kind of rebuild the relationship between Labour and voters in its kind of so-called heartlands mm -hmm. or its so-called northern heartlands um, especially, you know, that that would, I think, be taken as as a sign of success or at least moving in the right, right direction for him. OK, now we have Fanula Burke, editor of Birmingham World. Here's her take on how the local elections are looking there. It's the first time council seats have been up for grabs in the city since 2018. And all 101 seats across Birmingham's 69 wards are being contested. Labour currently holds the majority of seats with 65 councillors. The Conservatives form the opposition with 27 seats, while the Liberal Democrats hold eight and the Green Party holds one. Thursday's vote will see 400 people standing for election to the council, including the current members. As ever, the results of Birmingham City Council elections, like other local elections, is expected to reflect how the country feels about politics happening on a national level. So issues like the war in Ukraine, Partygate and the cost of living crisis are expected to have a significant impact. Yet a survey carried out by Ipsos ahead of this year's elections found that 50% of Britons thought that improving the condition of roads and pavements should be a top priority for councils. So people do evidently care about local issues but how many of them will turn out to vote this time? Some people will be listening and thinking, I'm not sure who to vote for or even if I can vote and where to vote. Where can listeners find that kind of information from Ethan? I'd better not start telling people who to vote for. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. Um, but if, if, if people want to find out where to go and how to vote and all these kind of things, um, I mean, we have got a lot of that covered on National World. Yep. Um, so if you were to go on National World and search local elections. Um, however, if you are kind of still struggling from information, the best place to go is the Electoral Commission's website. Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of Google Electoral Commission. And, and, and I think there's, there's tools on there where you can put in your postcode and it'll give you information about who the candidates are and your nearest polling station and all those kind of things. It's worth noting that um, as a result of changes to the, um, the way that elections are run in this country, um, because of legislation which was passed last week in Parliament. This is the last set of elections where voters will not need to show ID in order to vote. Um, so uh, make the most of it while you can and, you know, leave your passport at home. Yes, as you say, that's um, National World, lots of information on there. Finally, we've got Joshua Powling in Sussex now. He's going to tell us what's going on there. Yeah, so we've got a couple of councils uh, where voters are going to the polls on Thursday with results due on Friday uh, morning, afternoon. Um, in Sussex, I think we've probably got, uh, in my opinion, might be biased, one of the most exciting council uh, races this year in Worthing. It's long been a very safe, conservative 
uh, council, the borough council. Five years ago in 2017, Labour won a by-election there and it was their first seat on the borough council for 40 years. And then since that point, you know, year on, year on, they've, they've taken several more seats and several more seats to the point there. This year, they're, they're looking at taking uh, a majority of they, they win a few more seats. So the position at the moment is Labour and Conservatives are neck and neck. Worthing is a council where they hold elections every, almost every year. You have a third of seats up in, in three consecutive years and you have a year off for the county council election. So this year, there's going to be a third of the seats up and the Conservatives are defending more seats than Labour. So, you know, odds on, if Labour can steal, it only needs to steal two seats off the Conservatives, then they would have a majority and that would pretty much be the first uh, time ever in Worthing. And as a, as a very historically safe Conservative seat, you know, that would be a, a really, really shocking result from someone looking at the situation five years ago. Quite a dramatic couple of days ahead for you guys there in terms of uh, watching the seats coming in. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, um, there's, a, there's a few seats we're going to be watching out for. Um, it's one of those where you have um, 13 seats. Several of them look quite solidly Labour. Some of them look quite solidly Conservatives. And then there are those few in the middle where they, they, they fight over and, you know, and it takes a couple to, to swap over and then you have a, a change of council at the moment. One of the uh, interesting ones to watch out for is, is a ward called Gaysford, which is um, where their Conservative current council leader is, um, is elected for and he's actually switching across to another ward. So that makes you wonder whether he's uncertain of whether they're going to hold that seat. So that's, that's one definitely to look out for. And then uh, the next uh, council next door in Ada is also holding uh, around a third of seats this, this year. And that's more solidly conservative. They have a more comfortable majority. So it take a real huge swing for the Labour to take control of that. But Worthing is a lot more of a toss-up. And we've got two more. Uh, in Sussex that, that are going to the polls this week. We've got Crawley, which is like Worthing. We've got Conservatives and Labour neck and neck. Labour uh, is in charge at the moment and they'll be trying to keep control. The Conservatives will be hoping to take that off them. Labour have held it since 2014 and in the parliamentary uh, elections, Crawley is often seen as a, a quite a marginal um, constituency between um, Labour and, and the Conservatives. That's one to watch out for. The other one is in Hastings. That's more solidly Labour at the moment. It would take something, you know, quite extraordinary for the Conservatives to 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 either take their majority off them or, or or take control of the council. Thanks to my guests for joining me today. You'll find ongoing coverage of the local elections on nationalworld.com. You can follow us on Twitter at National World, on Facebook at National World UK, and on Instagram at National World One. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter.